Um, so last Christmas, um, my husband and I, Ron, went to an Andrew Peterson concert here in Memphis. And um, it was truly, I, you know how the Lord's Supper is just a supernatural thing? You know how that, you're just like, Communing with God, it's just a supernatural thing. Every time I participate in the Lord's Supper, it's that way. And this experience of um, going to this concert was very much a very worshipful and supernatural experience um, for me and for Ron, and I think for pretty much everybody who was there. But if you don't know, Andrew Peterson is a uh, Christian author, songwriter, singer, and um, he does this concert called Behold the Lamb. I think that's right. Oh, the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Anyway, um, so um, it's a Christmassy thing, and I really want y'all to hear this song that Janine and Parker are going to sing for you, and I hope that it will be a very worshipful experience for y'all. Could make the mountains move 
tears upon her face It was a labor of Let's pray. Lord, in all of your beauty and wisdom, you um, thought to have your son and our Savior born in this way, um, in a way that we really can't even comprehend that you're, he was fully man and fully God at the same time, and that there could have been no other way except for that way. Um, we lift your name high, Lord. We we thank you for your beauty and your goodness. Help us be able to uh, learn to praise you from deep in our hearts more and more every day. Um, may the truth be spoken and received here today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I just want you to know I asked them to do this on Friday. <laughs> so um, it's pretty amazing that they were, that they were able to do that. Um, We celebrate um, Halloween every year. We have a spooky supper in our family, and we all dress up. And um, last year, my husband went as the Grinch, and I went as Mrs. Claus. And I, I really wanted to wear my Mrs. Claus outfit today. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's this long, velvet, red velvet dress with this fur on it. But I decided we didn't need any gimmicks. We, it, was, it was enough. It was enough. So... Um, Okay, I'm going to read um, Luke 2, 1 through 21 for you. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him, wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch by their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, a great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, what the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I don't know about y'all, but I don't particularly like winter. I don't like the way my bones get cold. I don't like my dry, itchy skin and the lack of sunshine affects my mood. Can you imagine living in a world where it was always winter, but never Christmas? Lucy Pevensey from The Line, The Witch, and The Wardrobe couldn't either. When Mr. Tumnus told Lucy that Narnia was under the spell of the White Witch and that it was always winter, but never Christmas in Narnia, her response was, how awful, how awful indeed. Before Christ came, the real world, like Narnia, was under the spell of the evil one. A world where Satan wandered to and fro, seeking to devour anyone that got in his way. It's difficult for me to imagine how desperate that old father of love, lies, was on the night of Christ's birth. He knew it was coming. Way back in the garden when he deceived Eve, God has promised him as much. He had spent all these years doing all the damage he could. Maybe he even thought, Aha! I've done it. I've wreaked havoc on God's creation. He can never win now. The damage has been done. There's too much water under the bridge. I've won the war. These are the kinds of things the great deceiver would think. He was delusional and desperate. He surely did not know our triune God because God always does what he promises. Remember back in our study of Joshua, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All had come to pass. So back in the garden, when the Lord said Eve's seed would crush his head, Satan should have known that this night was coming. So there on that night, On that first Christmas night, there began a thaw in the land. That night, when Joseph and Mary traveled to Bethlehem, the city of David, that night, when the second member of the Trinity condescended and was born unto you. Think about that for a minute. Unto you. That night was not like any other night. The chains of Satan were being bound. That night, I wonder what Satan was thinking. He had tried to stop it. 
He had convinced men that they were powerful, that they were in control, that they were full of they were worthy of all the glory and honor and praise. But they couldn't have been more wrong because on that night, in the lowliest of ways, in a stable or in a cave, Christ was born. It wasn't a grand or regal birth that you might expect for the King of Kings. No, it was humble, like the people he came to save. It was not a silent night. There was blood on the ground. You could hear a woman cry in the alleyways that night on the street of David, streets of David's town. And the stable was not clean, and the cobblestones were cold, and Mary, full of grace, with tears upon her face, had no mother's hand to hold. Noble Joseph, by her side, calloused hands and weary eyes, there were no midwives to be found on the streets of David's town in the middle of the night. So he held her and he prayed, shafts of moonlight on his face. But the baby in the womb, he was the maker of the moon. He is the author of the faith that can make the mountains move. It was a labor of pain. It was a cold sky above. But for the girl on the ground in the dark, with every beat of her beautiful heart, it was a labor of love. And so it was on that very night when Jesus the baby was born, God came to be with us. Emmanuel. A Savior was born, a bona fide Savior, not the self-proclaimed Savior of the world, Caesar Augustus. You know that's what he called himself, don't you? Savior of the world? Isn't it fascinating that in the providence of God, Jesus was born under the reign of a man who fancied himself to be Savior of the world? Jesus, fully God and fully man, Jesus the true and only Savior, came to save us from our sin. Sin that had entered the world through one man, thus making us all sinners, was conquered by one man's righteousness, thereby reconciling all those that are his to God forever. Sin that grips our icy hearts and causes such evil, misery, Shame and guilt is quashed by the one that replaces our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. On that night, God's, Christ's birth ushered in the kingdom of God. A kingdom without end. A kingdom where grace and truth is established in all those who have God as their father. A kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. A kingdom that will ultimately be manifested in a new heaven and a new earth, a kingdom where all things are made new, a kingdom where God's own people will enjoy all of the marvelous blessings that are home to his glorious reign. C.S. Lewis imagines it to be something like this. It is, as a, it is as hard to explain how this sunlit land was different from the old Narnia as it would be to tell you how the fruits of that country taste. Perhaps you will get some idea of it if you think like this. You may have been in a room where there was a window that looked out over a lovely bay of sea or a green valley that wound around, a, around the mountains. And in the wall of that room opposite to the window, there may have been a looking glass. As you turned away from the window, you suddenly caught sight of that sea or that valley again in the looking glass. 
and the sea in the mirror or the valley in the mirror were in one sense just the same as the real ones. Yet at the same time, they were somehow different, deeper, more wonderful, more like places in a story, in a story you had never heard but very much wanted to know. The difference between the old Narnia was like that. The new one was a deeper country. Every rock and flower and blade of grass looked as if it meant more. I can't describe it any better than that. If you ever get there, you'll know what I mean. It was the unicorn who summed up what everyone was feeling. He stamped his right forefoot on the ground and neighed and cried. I've come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is, is that it look, sometimes looked like this. So on that night, on the night that heaven couldn't contain the joy of angels, first one, then hordes and hordes appeared to the shepherds. Not to kings, not to priests, not to the religious elite, but to the lowly shepherds. Be assured this was no coincidence. God comes to the lowly, the humble, the poor in spirit. The angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. If we aren't careful, we might miss it. Christ the Lord. The angel was telling the shepherds that this babe was the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. But perhaps more importantly, that this baby was the Lord, the sovereign of the universe, with all the divine majesty and power befitting such a name. This babe was God Almighty. No wonder the shepherds left in such haste. After all, they had been waiting such a long time. They had believed the scriptures they had heard all their lives. Perhaps they were remembering the words of Habakkuk. How long, O Lord, only to be answered by God? For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So in the fullness of time, the first advent came, assuring the second advent was secure. We are living in the tension of the already and not yet. We are crying out, how long, O oh Lord? But Christ has come. Be assured, he's going to come again. Jesus said to us, I go to prepare a place for you. And he also said, these words are trustworthy and true. Behold, I am coming soon. Quoting from Lewis again, Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death, and he shakes his mane, and we shall have spring again. To wrap up, I want us to think about this. What if studying Christmas in September is a means of grace to us, a means by which our faith and love and adoration of Christ is enlarged? What if focusing on the birth of Christ in September causes us to celebrate the birth of Christ in December with more joy and thankfulness than all of our other Christmases put together? What if thinking about the first Advent now 
causes us to meditate on the beauty of the second advent. What if something like the Grinch, we learn deep in our souls that Christmas is far more than we ever imagined? Christmas came to Narnia when Aslan was on the move, and Christmas comes to us just as Isaiah wrote, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forevermore. Oh, what a night that was. And I still can't get over the words, unto us and unto you. God came for us and to us. May the joy of these truths cause us to celebrate Christ today and every day. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, we, we can't even explain what this story means to us. Um, that... You have reached down and humbled yourself to come to earth, to live as a human, to live a life we couldn't live, and to die a death we should have died. Lord, we, we just can't get our mind around it. And may the truth of this cause us to be brave and courageous in living out this life. May we try to exemplify the kingdom of God by living with righteousness and with justice. Help us, Lord. We need your help. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.